Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Are you planning on selling your product business in the future and want to understand how it could be valued, what you should have in place and what you need to know? Then today's episode is for you. I'm chatting with Mark Fitzgerald Cook, MD of Intelligent Business Partners, a UK-based company that acts as a broker for businesses that want to buy and sell companies from 50,000 bedroom startup to approximately 10 million. So thank you very much, Mark, for joining me today. You're more than welcome. Absolute pleasure, Nicole. Now, you know I have a list of questions that I want to (laughs) go through. And and as I mentioned to you before we started recording, um, I've reached out to some clients that are interested in selling their business. So they're like, right, I want to know this, 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 and this. So can you just give a little bit of background about what what the business is, Intelligent Business Partners, and then let's get straight into the questions. Yeah, no problem. Um, In really simple terms, we're like a national estate agent for people buying and selling businesses between 50,000 and 10 million rather than um, you know buying houses. So uh, we're based just outside of Leeds in a beautiful part of the world, but we've got, um, if there's chimney pots and motorways and people with businesses, we've got somebody nearby who can help. Fantastic. So what are the top three things you immediately look at when you're valuing a business? Yeah. Um, so things we look at and uh, turnover, naturally, um, yeah. gross, and net, gross and net profit. And I'll, I'll, I'll put those together so I can have the third one. And the third one is what's the ownership structure. Um, and the, the quick aside on that, the reason that's important is because the more valuable the owner of the business is to the business, often that's the less valuable the business is. If they're, if they're rowing the boat every day rather than steering it, yeah. when they leave, it leaves a bigger gap. So those are the things we'd look at. What's the turnover? What's the gross and net profit? And what's the ownership structure, management um- structure? And we'll come back to that in a in a little bit about the visibility of mm. the of the owners in the business as well and what they can be doing kind of before they sell and yeah. to to take that risk away, I suppose, for the pre- for the person that's sell that's going mm-hmm. to be buying the business. So before someone is thinking of selling their business, what should they make sure that they have in place? Um yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. Uh, mindset will be the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. that actually, you know. Take a step back. Yeah, people, it's, it's, you know, people say the most stressful thing in life, you know, it's like, like public speaking or buying and selling a house. Well, they've never sold a business. So if you're, if you've had your business for, for, you know, a long time, as many people do, if it's not a startup or you're not someone who like starts and, and, and moves out, if it's something that's been in your business, you know, 20, 30 years, maybe there's a bit of a legacy, maybe, you know, parents started up or something like that. It's a big wrench. So you really do need to think about you know, your mindset with it. You know, what are you going to do next? You know, because if you've, people tell me I've worked all hours in this business, well, you're going to have a big gap in your life then afterwards. So yeah. get, get your mindset right and, and get yourself prepped. Um, and that also then will come into the next thing, which is your financials. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, pe- people often say, you know, oh, something's worth what someone will pay for it. That's, that's not, it's, it's true to a point, but actually in, in, in our world, uh, it's actually worth what someone can get finance on. And that's quite different. So, you know, um, so be easy to buy. So get your financials in order. That's 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 really, really important. Um, so you get your mindset, you get make sure your financials, your accounts and all of those things are in order. And then the next one out of that is just have a look at your contracts. And that, that that's part of a wider conversation. That's about your staff. 
that's about, you know, uh, again, you know, people have had businesses 20, 30 years. There's great relationships. So things like HR and all these sorts of things that have come up over GDPR and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, some compliance issues, you know, um, you need to need to really, really have, have a look at those. Um, and one of the other things with contracts to, to think about as well is talk about your supplier relationships. You know, have you got a really high concentration of, you know, I've got 200 clients, but actually 80% of my, you know, my money comes from these top five clients. And I've had these clients for 25, 30 years. So what happens when I, when I leave? So these, and the reason we say all of these things is that when your prospective buyer comes in, so they, they're going to want to understand, you know, so what are the financials of this business? What's the sustainability of the revenue? So that's those contracts and everything else. Have you got a load of really brilliant staff that have helped drive the performance of this business who are going to be on their bike at the drop of a hat and they've got actually yeah. got no formal contracts to stop them from doing that? Um, so your company memory disappears out the door. So those are, you know, broad strokes. Those are the things because they're the things that are going to come up in due diligence. Yeah. And with your business, when when someone goes to to work with you, do you work with them on that? Give them a checklist of right, get all of these kind of get all of these yeah, in place. Abs- absolutely, absolutely. Now it used to be the case that you'd come on and you you wouldn't start down that road until that actually had some formal interest and um, people were then coming in with a view to making offers. Then going to do due diligence. The the nature of the market now, and this also comes back to the management structure, is depending on the size of the business. A certain type of buyer. So, if they're a financial buyer, so they they're looking to make investment and have a management team, they're not going to run it themselves. They will want to understand the financials of the business before they then really meet the owners and, and get under yeah. it. Because if it doesn't meet their criteria, so the way they're going to finance it, yeah, that will save, save everyone's time. Yeah. yeah. So the moment now we get a mandate or instruction from somebody to to sell their business, we'll then provide a list saying these are the things you need to start getting in order. And, and we do, we, you know, one of the things with us that we get very good feedback on is that we do a lot of handholding in that regard mm-hmm. because contrary to what, you know, everybody assumes that everybody else has sold loads of businesses. Well, 96% of people will never buy or sell a business, you know, and the ones that do, most people only do it once anyway. So we're really conscious of that and, and mm-hmm. make sure we do a lot of handholding through, through the process. And so let's talk about the valuation side of things then. How mm-hmm. do you value a business? I lick my, I do that. <laughs> no, so there's 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 a number of factors. Um, n- number one, you, you're looking at you're looking at the financials. Yeah. Now, yeah. so w- in, in valuing a business, you can um, you can sell what you can evidence. Yeah. So yeah. there's so you're, you're looking at it. So we go right back to the beginning. What I said, I'm looking at the turnover. I'm looking at your gross profit. You look at the net profit. You do then something a, a little bit of work. Some people call them adjustments. Some call it normalization, and that is. You look at their, their financials, and if they've got any one-off or un, unusual costs that whoever owns the business going forward isn't going to have to pay, you would add, add those back to the um, yeah. to, to get something called adjusted net profit. So, you know, if you've made a hundred grand a year for the last five years, but last year you you actually only made eighty because you paid twenty thousand pounds out on putting a new roof on. Well, yeah. that's that's exceptional. Yep. So you you would add that back, and there's a few standard things. It's things like. Interest and assuming a business is sold tax uh, tax free is sold cash free debt free, so you might make some adjustments about interest rates and um, depreciation and things like that. There's a there's a few little standard bits that you you would add back. That then gives you something called a normalised or an adjusted net profit, and then you would use a multiple of what you see wherever possible comparison in the market. Typically, between for for, the, for most of the businesses we sell, it's about two and a half to five times multiple. Um, 
And oh. is that on the profit or on the turnover? Uh, uh, that, so that would be on the adjusted net profit. Okay. Yeah. Now, there will be people that go, hold on, no, you can do it on turnover. You can do it on this. That, that, that's all fair enough. But, you know, you can have a, you can have a, a great turnover but not be making a profit. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, so, so for most of the time, you know, the, that, that criteria works. Now, if you've got a business that's got great assets, you know, and assets have different, you know, different types of assets have different value, you know, but basically most asset-backed lenders will tell you if it's got an engine in it and uh, and wheels, you know, that's a good asset. So there's different asset classes. So assets in the business will, will be a factor because that, I said earlier on, depends on what people can, um, it's worth what someone can finance. So those are the sorts of things that appeal. If you've got good cash flow, then, you know, there's, there's other types of finance that are available. But broadly speaking, we'll look at the adjusted net profit. We'll also then look at What's the seller's expectations? Because if someone is, you know, desperate to sell straight away, well, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you, you know, a um, a high market valuation compared to the rest of the market and a quick sale do not go hand in hand, you know. So, yeah. but if someone's saying, look, I'm not in an absolute rush, you know, it's a bit of a beauty show. I want to get out there and see what interest there is in my business. Um, then we can go to the market a little bit higher, but we will do that on the understanding. Look, this is our recommended valuation range. Yeah. You want to go outside of that, that's fine. But that's where we said to think it will be. So you know, as long as we can agree that we can review this the next period of time. Um, the, the thing is to bear in mind with it with this market is that it's not like selling a three-bedroom semi-detached house in, a, in, a, in your local town where any estate agent, 17-year-old trainee will tell you what that's worth because there's so many of them and there's so yes. many, so much data available. You know, um, in, in our world, it's more like it's not less like a marketplace and more like a dating operation. It's like you have two businesses that look very similar uh, at face value. And it's, in fact, even their, um, their accounts might look very similar. But yeah. one's got an, uh, an owner who's been driving that business from the front for the last 30 years and owns all the relationships. And, yeah. you know, they, they are to, to some of the stuff we discussed previously was, that, you know, they are the business, they are the brand. The other one's got a great management team in place. The owner turns up once a month for the, um, you know, for the board meeting. Well, you know, they, they, they are, in terms of attractiveness to somebody coming in, they're very, very different businesses. So mm-hmm. there's a number of moving parts. But at the end of the end, we can sell what we can evidence. So trading history, you know, what, what's the profitability of the, of the business? Is it sustainable? And what are the growth opportunities going forward? And how, what's the kind of length of time? And I know it's probably like how long is a piece of string? Because yep. like you say, it's kind of like if you put your house for sale, you could have an interested buyer and everything's in place and it goes yep. or, you know, it takes longer time. But what have you seen is the average in terms of? Yeah, so it, that it is the ultimate how long's piece of string question that one um, because you've got different sectors, different types, different price range, different seller expectations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Broadly speaking, six to eighteen months. Yeah, okay. and we we have had businesses that have come to market. They've gone live on a Wednesday and they've had five offers on the Thursday. You know, and we've taken a deposit and it's come off the market on Friday. You know, yeah. and that happened very very quick. And then in that case, the seller goes from absolutely ecstatic to could I have got more for it in a very short period of time? Um, yeah. We've got other businesses we've worked with for you know two three years because they, um, you know, and that's not ideal because we, we make our money when we sell the businesses. But they've they've had a lot of interest. The sellers wanting the right type of uh, right type of buyer, so they can take a little bit longer. But typically, allowing for going to market, getting interested parties in. Offers, negotiation, accepted offer, getting the legals through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you took six to 18 months. And in some cases, that can be the offer and everything can be in for three months. And then you spend, you know, you could spend three, six months, maybe longer on the due diligence, depending on, going back to what we spoke about earlier on, how well prepared the business was, 
has yeah. somebody been trying to hide skeletons at the back of the cupboard, you know, yeah, and yeah. that that type of thing. So, you know, that's why we always say to people, know your numbers, be completely open. You know, if there's bad news, get it out there early. You know, don't yeah. wait, for, don't wait for it to be discovered, especially if you're going to be working with this business for a couple of years afterwards or a year or so on a transition or an earnout. You know, business moves at the speed of trust, and you need to make sure yeah. that you know you're not damaging that. Um, but both parties, buyer and seller, and that's where we come in. You know, we try and keep keep everything transparent and honest and moving quickly. And when you're talking about, um, just go back to a couple of things in terms mm. of asset side of things. Yeah. Um, a lot of smaller businesses would have great communities, big Facebook groups, maybe mm-hmm. a big email list. Yep. How can you, um, and really, really engaged super fans, essentially, yep. can you quantify that? How, what kind of a value can mm. that add to a business? Um it, 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 the one thing we'll say consistently, and I sound like a politician with the get-out clause, they, the, um, <laughs> the, 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 buyer's, the, the buyer's situation is, is often what really drives the, the value or otherwise of, of some, some of the intangibles. So, you know, having a great social media audience is good if they actually do anything beyond putting yeah. thumbs up and stuff like that. So, yeah, you yeah. know, if you are selling through those channels, you know, so, yeah. you know, a lot of people. So if, you, quite... if you could evidence an engagement, Absolutely. And an engagement that leads to sales. So yeah. if you're saying, Absolutely. right, okay, we've got a hundred thousand followers on our Instagram account. We've got um, 50,000 people on our email list. When we send out an email, we have this amount of conversion. So generally Absolutely. any sales email that we send out, we get a return of X K. So if you can kind of yeah. evidence that. Yeah. Now, Bearing in mind that that XK is already in your financials. So, you know, they part of your performance mm-hmm. has been driven by the fact you have this anyway. Yeah. So what is that? It's an indicator that if you can scale that audience with the same sort of profile, then there is a route to generate, you know, greater, uh, greater return. So where that would really um, work well is if I'm a trade buyer and I've got my own set of products and I've got my own audience yeah. And I come in and I can look at it and go, great. Well, actually, well, even if I haven't got an audience, let's change that. But I've got the products and they are complementary yeah. to the type of buyer you have. That's great because you look at that and go, boom, that's that's going to slot straight in and there's a real opportunity for return on there. If they're not engaged, you know, you've got a shop window and it's like people walking past the shop window. You know, it's no good telling somebody what the footfall is outside of the shop. You know, it's what the footfall yeah. that comes into the shop that, that, yeah. that makes the difference. Yeah. So it, it does have a value depending on what they do. And um, it's it's the value if you were saying, right, okay, we're not we're only in this market. We're only in the UK market. Yeah, we're exploring the Irish market. We expect it to be X, Y, Z. Yeah. Will they even will that even be entertained until it's actually real until you've actually done it? And you know what I mean? Yeah, com- completely. So again, you know, and, and terrible for using the same lines again and again, but we can sell what we can evidence. So yeah. if some, one of the things that we have a lot of is we'll, we'll talk to somebody and, and we'll, we'll say, look, we're going to get your financials. We're going to go through and we'll come to a valuation range and then we'll, you know, we'll do this, this, and this. And, but we'll often say to somebody, you know, early in the conversation, because with absolute respect, if somebody comes in and they are away with the fairies, with their expectations, then I will attempt to manage that. And if, if we're not for them, I'll tell them because- yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not taking a business that, that's worth 500 grand to market at 5 million because I'm going to look like an idiot explaining trying yeah. to explain that to people. So, um, so one of the one, one of the things when we when we're going through and we we're understanding sort of the, the, the you know the value of the business and, and what the expectations are and the opportunity that's going to arise from you know opportunities rising from potential is that if as the person who's founded the business 
you haven't realized the potential of this opportunity that you've identified. Somebody else isn't going to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, if you can come in and say, look, you know, we've got an opportunity here to go into making up numbers and you know, another 30 countries. We've gone into two so far. This is what happened. So we've got a um, we've got a process, we've got a methodology, and it works. It might be that as a business, we quite haven't got perhaps the, the resources or the capabilities to scale out and all of that yet. But if I'm coming into the business, I go, okay, I get that. That works. Um, then then it's going to be a factor. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you know, selling, dipped yeah, your toe in, you've already abs- done the Absolutely. Well, it's 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 about having, you know, sort of slightly bastardizing the expression of, of social proof of proof of concept. But yeah. you know, you've you've got an idea, you know, you've 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 got a concept, you've proved the concept, the concept works. You know, you've got a degree of social proof because in those countries people have gone with it and said, Yeah, great, that that works for me. Uh, so people can buy into that. Otherwise, you know, we've had people ring up saying, you know, I've got this idea. And, you know, so, well, have you, you know, have you, have you done anything to protect your idea? No. Yeah, well, yeah. then the first person you talk to about buying it is just going to go, that's a good idea. And off they go, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, um, so it, it's, it's, again, keeps coming down to it. You know, you, we can sell what we can evidence. So, you know, if you can prove that you've done it, brilliant. If it's just an idea, you might get someone that says, you know what, I'll pay you X amount for your business as is, and then we'll do a deferred, you know, um, yeah. a consideration or an earnout. Sorry, in this case, not to focus it. We'll do an earnout if we can get to milestones that you stay in the business, you work on this idea, and if it achieves it, then that will realize whatever it realizes it through through, through the agreement. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. And if you are, if it's a founder-led business and you're front and center, so like you mentioned, it's a very different valuation to someone who is basically able to run the business kind of in their sleep, turns up once yeah. the board yeah. do the rest of it. Yeah. If you're planning on selling a business mm. or you you have in your in your head that you want to sell the business in a couple of years, but you are the driver, you mm-hmm. are, and also the face, not just the driver, but say the face of the business, because, you mm. know, what are the steps people can take with that? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, is a tricky one. One individual doesn't scale in, in, in as much as if they're turning up or doing things or sitting down and shaking hands with groups of people. So you, you are getting, and it's getting slightly out of my area of expertise into, you know, you've got things like image rights and, and various other bits there. You know, I've had businesses where the name of the person who's doing the business is the name of the business. Um, yeah. And it is really important. Then you start that separation and, you know, in, in and I say there, there are people better positioned than me to answer that, but certainly you start, you want to start moving away from being front and center and being the face and being on all the brand and everything else and being that association. You know, you'd want to get to a place where the value of the product and the brand perception is is associated with the name, not the image, um, because otherwise you're getting out into image rights and everything else. And obviously that's a, that's a different conversation for the individual themselves, whether or not they want to let, let the the image rights go. Um, But you, you, I mean, that, that takes planning in, in advance and you need to be, yeah, you need to be across that relatively early doors in, in the process. Yeah. The flip side of it, of course, is that, you know, if the reason for selling is or the need to sell or the desire to sell is, is quite soon, then you you manage it on the other side. You, you you sell the business. You agree that the person stays in for X period of time in a, what we'll see is people refer to like an ambassador role or, yeah. or people will say in a, that that someone's staying on in a non-exec position, whatever, you know, there's, there's other ways, there's many ways up the mountain and that, that could be a path on the other side. Yeah. Like you say, it could be something that's after the contract, that it's a clause in the contract or a clause or a condition of sale that they yep. stay for 18 months or whatever, if they've not yep. done it at the beginning. So they don't yep. literally switch the lights off, walk away and be like, Abs- right, absolutely. I'm selling yep. the business, but you know, so the customers are just like, hang on a second, what's going on? Yeah, com- com- completely. You know, you, you want to avoid that, that vacuum, you know, and, 
Uh, and you know, and you know, Nicole, you know, know this better than me. In in terms of you know the 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 brand perception of, of an individual, and and it's certainly if that if the person in question it isn't just a you know isn't just a figurehead. They're actually a charismatic, seeing people are used to seeing, feeling, touching, and, and experiencing that that person. Um, then you know it is very much a strategic approach. But the the important thing to realise is you can think about it before sale yeah. it, it doesn't need to be like running into a brick wall you know uh, uh, post sale there can still be a process there and for most most people buying the business that you know if 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 that type of person is involved with it they're going to want that transition they are going to want to yeah to know. It, it's basically part of their heart isn't it they've that's, put that's, their absolutely. blood sweat and tears into it to 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 create what it is yeah and is there a particularly um is there a trend at the moment for particular types of businesses is there something people are knocking on your door going do you have any of these type of product businesses or yeah. you know, what are people looking for? That, I mean, that that really ebbs and flows, you know, you, you get odd spikes, you know, um, stuff relating to, to um, fire and security businesses was a, a little flurry of those recently. Um, people with IT service businesses, software as a service, anything like that's got reoccurring revenues. We will often talk to people who are thinking about selling, but when they make the decision, somebody in their supplier network or somewhere who goes, Oh, you're selling. And they're in like Flynn. So, yeah. so that, that, that happens. Um, you go back a few years, I mean, vets were, were, were very popular, but then you see lots of people like um, aggregating businesses in, in, in yeah. that space. Um, coming out the other side of lockdown, yeah, everyone was on a side hustle. So any online businesses, any relocatable businesses during lockdown, everybody wanted to move to the, over here in the UK, in the UK to the Lake District, the Norfolk Broads and Devon and Cornwall. So anything that was relocatable or online, that had mm-hmm. a, a lot of appeal. But I always get asked that question and the actual true consistent answer is that if you have got a well-organized, well-run business with a decent trading history and or great growth opportunity, you know, reoccurring revenue, sustainable growth, all of those things, doesn't matter what business sector, business type you're in, that's going to appeal. And if I go right back to the beginning, if you've got a management structure in place with somebody who knows nothing about your industry, your sector, or how to sell blue widgets. It doesn't matter if you've got a team that can do it and they can invest yeah. and help grow it and bring some wider business expertise, then that's going to appeal. You know, so okay. that's why I always talk about these consistent things about what you should be looking at. You know, get your mindset right, make know your financials, have your contracts in place. You know, um, if it's a customer facing business, give it a lick of paint, make sure everything's clean and you know, and everything works. You know, it's just Little, little bits but it's good solid underlying business fundamentals you know people want to de-risk so if you're if you're selling a, a bit of security you know and business moves at the speed of trust then then you, you're all right you've got a good business whatever scale and size it is you've got a decent business and if you're um so if we're talking about profit businesses so i think in terms of these questions that i've you know some clients have asked me to ask you but i think you've kind of you've touched on it already in terms mm. of your profit's more important than your turnover um, in ter- from a valuation point of view because it's proper evidence in terms of what your I know your turnover is evidence, but your profit is what you're bringing home to the bank. Would it, you say? It, it is, yeah. Just a, one, one caveat, though. It, again, that it does depend on the type of buyer. Yeah. So if you are somebody and, and this look, this I've been quite broad strokes here because yeah, there'll be a, yeah. there'll be a hundred other, you know, ex, you know, people that are sticking their hand up going, that's not technically true, but you know, this, but broad strokes, if I'm a financial buyer and by that, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't plan to get in under the skin of the business. I want it to just to give me a, a, a profit back. Um, I'm going to take a different view. If I'm a trade buyer, I could come into a, a business now by trade buyer, I mean, I'm operating in the same space or a complementary space or something like that. And I come into a business and I have a look at it and it's got turnover of a million. 
but it's made a hundred grand loss. Well, you look at it and go, well, that business has lost a, you know, lost a, lost a hundred grand. But if I'm a trade bar and I look at that and go, well, it's lost a hundred grand because you've got these operating costs that I can yeah. absorb straight into my business. Yeah. So that's creating some margin and there's other value I can bring to the table. And actually all of a sudden, when you start factoring those things in, this business is now suddenly making two, three, four, five, you know, whatever yeah. grand. And it's a very, very different scenario. So whilst, yeah, you know, we will generally look at net profit. Um, that's not to say that, um, that that a business that has got a high turnover, small profit, or any level of turnover and small profit um, can't be something that's still going to be attractive to the right buyer. But it's, I, I keep saying it though, and I'll always say it: the buyer's situation will always be the ultimate determination of, of, of whether a business sells because it's whether yeah. or not they buy it. Yeah. And in terms of, and this is particularly like for product businesses, in terms of their mix of wholesale, because obviously they're selling wholesale, they're selling products at a cheaper price. Um, you know, they're making less margin, but they're increasing the exposure. Mm. What's your view on that then as a percentage? And you might not be able to answer it, but in terms of a percentage of the business, should businesses still be going after that market and growing that side of things, even though the profit is less? Okay. So um, if I was sat in my office, Nicole, and somebody rang me up and asked me that question, I'd probably ring you. But the, um, <laughs> but the, the re- reality, more broadly, I would look at that with a view of, you know, you're, you're selling widgets. Yeah. And uh, what you don't want is to have all, all your widgets in one basket. You know, what yeah. you want to say. So you, what, whatever your particular sector or type is, is the right level of whether it's wholesale or retail or whatever else, what you, what you want to try and avoid, of course, is just having just the one customer. Yeah. yeah you know, that or, one income stream. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. You know, cause it, again, in terms of, so how that's sliced and diced, you know, you, so you're, you're better placed to answer that than me. What more, Broadly, though, is just you know not having um, all, all your risks that in one place is what buyers are going are, are to look at. Now we don't come across it too often, but we did have one sale that where eighty percent of the um, of, of the revenues came from a single client, and in that case, before the business sale was completed, that the buyers wanted to meet the client, build a relationship, make sure, and lo and behold, that was maintained and it, it works out well for everybody. Um, but that's an extreme example. But so, you know, to, to answer the question, it varies, I would ask you, but the, the takeaway for the businesses is to make sure you have got some variety in there or or if you've got quite a narrow client base, you want to, you know, good contracts, going into that with your eyes open, you know, Yeah, diversify a little bit as yep. well. And um, what would you say, the what should be the questions that someone should, if someone's thinking of selling their business, what are the questions they should ask a broker to make sure that they're the right fit for them? Yeah, good, good question. And when I saw this last night, I had, I had, a, I had a think about that. Um, ultimately, it, whether it's us or other other brokers in in in, in the market, you know, the, the the first one is, do you, you have you have you got rapport with the person you're speaking to? Now, let, let's let's be clear. You know, often there's a sales element to that. Salespeople, by their nature, their job is to be charming and everything else. But so the things you want to identify is okay. So when once you've got the mandate from me to sell the business what happens next talk me through the process how are you going to market my process how are you going to generate inquiries and when you do how are you going to vet those to make sure that they are competent and credible potential buyers so that's that's part of it. like anything you want to understand the relationship you want to understand what you're actually getting for, for your for your money now yeah. one of the things in our marketplace then will people will say well you know should some people charge an upfront fee? Some people don't charge a, a fee. You know, understand the fee structure and understand the logic behind the fee structure. 
Yeah. Um, what you don't want is to find yourself in a situation where you're fronted up an awful lot up front. And then it's like, well, hold on, where's the, where, where's the incentive? Where's the guarantee that this service is going to materialize after the event? But by mm-hmm. the same token, like anything in, 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 in your marketplace, if you're, if you're selling a, a quality product, there is going to be a degree of cost in the, you know, in the raw materials to produce a quality product. And if somebody down the road is doing the same thing for, for much much cheaper there's somewhere along the line there's a there's an issue you know about whether it's quality or service or whatever so you just need to you know understand how the charging structure works what you're paying for how long the contract is what can can't be included is it exclusive is it non-exclusive etc however the real thing i would look at is if you even though i say most people never never sold a business if you are in the industry yeah you are an expert in what you do if you are selling your business okay Mm -hmm. If somebody gives you a business valuation, okay, and they can't explain the logic behind that valuation, or you as an expert in that space go, hold on a minute, I wouldn't pay that money for this mm-hmm. business. You know, if I, if I was going to grow my business by acquisition, would I pay that much or would I actually go out and recruit X amount of people and open a new premises and spend the money on marketing or get another five lorries and build up my logistics, that side, you know, you are an expert in your space just because you haven't sold a business before, you know, trust your gut, you know, just look mm-hmm. at that and go, hold on. I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure that makes sense. One of the things I'll say to people all the time, I speak to loads of different people. We value businesses. We have different conversations. You know, I always say to people, just get in touch. If you're not sure, just give us a ring it's 20 minutes and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Even if you don't end up sending your business through intelligent, Give me a call if something seems too good to be true. Just give me a shout, and I'll, 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 I'll you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a view. But you know, so you want to make sure the relationships are right. You want want to make sure you understand what your fees are, um, what the contract you know covers, um, what you're getting for your money, what's the customer service levels, when people are going to check back in, how they're going to vet your clients, and is the valuation logical? Okay, mm-hmm. to you as the seller. I'll go back to my other point about the ultimate sale price depends on the buyer. So we'll get people contact us going. Your valuation is insane. It doesn't make any sense. And it's no hold. It doesn't make any sense to you because you're a financial buyer and you've got a business model and you haven't got any uh, equity really to put into it. So you're struggling to get finance. So it doesn't fit what you're able to pay. So it's there's, that's not right. It's just your ability to buy it. Whereas you know, for the person selling the business, it's only you know, it might be three, four years multiple of their of their sorry three to four times their adjusted net profit. So actually it's completely logical. And just a little side, when I talk about, you know, you, if someone's making a hundred thousand pound adjusted net profit and you're selling the business for 300,000, three times, you know, the buyer's going to take three years to get their money back. So, and that's a, a, a good way of looking at it logically saying, you know, would you, as the seller, would you take five years, four years, three years to get your money back on this transaction? You know? Um, so, you know, and obviously if they're going to grow the business, that period will be shorter. So it's just, you know, it's just asking the types of questions you would ask as a business owner of any supplier. What am I getting for my money? Does it stack mm-hmm. up? Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And the last question I have would be the steps to selling. Yeah. In terms of, so if they, I know that you covered the, the accounts and the due diligence and that side of things, but say that's in order. What's then, what's someone signed up with you? What, yeah. what are your steps to kind of selling that business? Okay. So um, just kind of prior to coming to us, a little bit of preparation. So they'll be doing their, you know, the old school thing about, you know, um, was it a, awareness, research, evaluation, and all that that type of stuff. So they've done a little bit of prep. Ideally, they've got their head around. It. It's like, right, I'm, I'm ready to, to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go ahead. So we'll get the valuation done, step one. And valuation is important. So we understand the valuation. We want to understand your expectations as a seller. As I said earlier on, if your expectations and ours aren't aligned, then we, we will either say, look, you know, it's not for you right now, or here's some people you could go and talk to who will help get your business to where it needs to be, at yeah. which point then it will be worth the value you you want. Yeah. Great. Now, 
just a, a little point on that. If that's a plan that's happening, we could actually go to market for a, and, and market that business. We would just make it very clear. Look, we think your business is worth two and a half. Yeah, million. You you want four million for it. You can go to market now. A buyer's going to come in, look at it and go, you know what? We also believe your business is worth two and a half million now. So we'll pay you X amount now and then we'll work with you. And it, providing it achieves certain milestones, you will exit further down the line with your target exit value of, of four million. So mm-hmm. there's different ways up the mountain. You just need to be realistic about, uh, about what the plan is. So we'll get that valuation right. We'll make sure we're all on the same page with the valuation. And then you come in, then we prepare the marketing material. We go through the marketing channels, do the marketing. That generates a response. We vet that response. We'll make the introductions. So then you'll have viewings, you'll have conversations with the potential interested parties. Then we'll go from that stage, interested parties to who's making offers. Then we'll work with the seller uh, about the offer, where it is in relation to um, what their expectation is, what's the logic behind the offer. And then we'll either discard that or we'll move forward. Offer gets accepted. Once the offer is accepted, then you start looking at some of the initial legals. That might be uh, heads of terms, some of which are not legally binding, some are. That brings you into the due diligence stage. Due diligence then moves into uh, contracts. So whether it's a, a share purchase agreement, asset purchase agreement, APAs, SPAs, or you know um, whatever process they're, they're doing. Now, you, you'll have appointed solicitors in, in that process. Little note on solicitors. Okay, If you're a business of a certain size or you've sold houses, you've probably got a solicitor that you know and you like and you trust. The solicitor that helps you sell your house or the solicitor that helps you get off a speeding ticket or get divorced or whatever else you use it for does not necessarily mean they're the right solicitor to help you buy or sell a business. Mm-hmm. There are people that specialize in that. They're not all created equal. We'll always recommend it, but we you know, say, look, these are people we know, like, and trust who can sell businesses. Yeah. Um, but the number one killer of deals is time. And a solicitor that's not fully on the confident in the process yeah um and and you know with no disrespect to any professional anywhere very few of them put their hand up and say i haven't got a clue you know so yeah. you need to you just need to make sure it's this so you go through this and then we get to offer accepted offer funds are paid contracts agreed funds are paid and then we're out the other side business is completed and then you get into whatever post completion agreement you've got working out your you know yeah. your earn out period or or whatever else and champagne is drunk. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> by, by everyone. But not me because I'm a paragon of virtue and I would never do such a thing. No. Um, <laughs> well, you can take a breath after all of that. So yeah. thank you so much. But you uh, sound like my wife. Uh, yeah. I don't hear like, <laughs> you sound like my wife. For God's sake, Mark, take a breath. No one's listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, where can people find you, find the business? Have yeah, no problem. So if you go to www.intelligent.co.uk, um, and I can be contacted on mark, M-A-R-K dot F-C at intelligent.co.uk. Um, say to people, just, you know, got a question, curious, thinking about the business now, think you want to sell it in the future, just drop us an email, more, more than happy. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Mark Fitzgerald Cook with an E. I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that name, which is A, handy, B, not handy. Um, <laughs> and so uh, easy, easy to find on there. Um, and yeah, just get in touch. You know, if you, if you want to know, a huge amount of people don't go ahead with selling businesses because they just don't know where to start. And yeah. and if I can't help you, I'll point you in the direction. We work with some brilliant solicitors, business coaches, advisors, and meet people like you, Nicole. You know, I'll mm-hmm. just steer, steer people in the in, in the right direction so they get the answers they want and they can make an informed choice and uh, either move forward now or in the future with a with a bit more confidence. Fantastic. And I'll put all those details in the show notes so people can get in touch. Uh, with you directly but thank you so much it has been invaluable 
and uh, lots of notes. I know that definitely there's some of my clients have been like, oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'll be back again next week with another great guest. And I would love for you to leave a review so that more people can find the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast to help them with their idea and with their business. So thank you again, Mark. Absolute pleasure.